What's going on, guys? This is the Carson Crummick Talk Show, episode number 75. And I have a really, really good episode for you guys. Or I shall say, I make very good episodes and podcast episodes daily for you guys. You guys should just check the content out. I will not let you guys down. Promise. I have a really good and really interesting, juicy two topics here for you guys today and the first topic I'm going to be I'm going to be talking about is what I think about in the past 24 hours the 49ers signing Tavon Austin speedster so I say Tavon Austin and JJ Nelson 49ers have recently in the past 24 hours have signed Tavon Austin the former Ram and Cowboy and JJ Nelson the former Cardinal and Raider so I'm going to be getting into that and then a little bit on later down the road I'm going to be talking about 15 rookies in the NFL who I think are going to have really good slash breakout rookie years. So yeah, guys, I have some really good topics for you guys today, and I'm so excited, and let's go. Here we go, guys. So what I think about the 49ers signing Tavon Austin and J.J. Nelson. So here's what I think about this. So I do know why they signed the two speedsters, Tavon Austin and J.J. Nelson, it was for the shortcoming and short, short, as simple reason as this is. They only signed the two speed demons slash speedsters, Tavon Austin and J.J. Nelson, because their former rookie and the wide receiver who had over 800 receiving yards last year, Debo Samuel, one of the best wide, young wide receivers, one of the best rookie, had one of the best rookie performances as a rookie wide receiver last year, had over 800 receiving yards, nearly 1,000 receiving yards, not nearly 1,000 receiving yards, but definitely over 800, around the 850 mark. Debo Samuel was ridiculously good last year as a really good deep threat for them, as well as a really good possession receiver running the great uh, short and intermediate routes that I know he can run. Great wide receiver, but he did break his, he did have a really bad injury, so they need to fill a little bit of the wide receiver void. They do have Kendrick Bourne and Dante Pettis beside that, and they gave up Marquise Goodwin to the Eagles, and they gave up Emmanuel Sanders to the Saints, so two of their best wide receivers are gone, but they did pick up Tavon Austin. But I'm just telling you guys, that's why they got Tavon Austin and J.J. Nelson is because of Debo Samuel's injury. They need some wide receivers to fill that void and with experience. And these two have plenty of experience. And they have plenty of experience with getting injured. That's a big reason why I don't think they're going to perform for the 49ers as well as the 49ers will probably think they will. Because Tavon Austin and J.J. Nel- and JJ Nelson both over the career have been injury prone. Uh, Tavon Austin primarily on the two years he was on the Cowboys, he was injury prone. Not so much on the Rams. The Rams, he was fine for for the first you know five seasons. But Tavon Austin, that, had, that he had with the Rams, he was fine. Yeah, he's decent. Um... Oh yeah, both are injury prone, so I think that's a negative that 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 getting Tavon Austin, JJ Nelson is for the 49ers. But yeah, let's start with Tavon Austin. So Tavon Austin did not even have a Tavon Austin has not had over his seven he played seven seasons in the NFL so far, five with the Rams and two with the Dallas Cowboys in 2018 and 2019. Over the course of his seven-year NFL career from 2013 to last year, 2019, he has never had not even a f- – has, has not even eclipsed a 500-yard receiving year. A 500-yard receiving year. That's half a thousand receiving yards. He did not eclipse a thousand receivers. Nothing close to that. Under 500 receiving yards is his best year. Out of his whole seven spam, over seven 
years of span in the NFL. Mixed with five years with the Rams and two years with the Cowboys, 2018 and 2019. His best year was in 2015 with the Los Angeles Rams when he had 52 receptions for 40, for 434 receiving yards and four touchdowns. That, had, that was his career high in receptions with 52, his career high in receiving yards with 434, and his career high in touchdowns with four. That was his best year and most remarkable year, most notable year, and most... You know the implant most of, the best year that he implement like he best year that he, he put the league on notice the best year that he proved himself, which was under five hundred receiving yards. Now I don't think he's bad. I think he's a he was a great player in college at California. He's really fast. He's speed demon. He's a really good wide receiver. Brings speed. Definitely has a speed dynamic. Now um, I think he think he's just a speed kills type of receiver. Here's the difference between the speed element. Well, in, in reference from Tavon Austin to Tyreek Hill. Tyreek, yes, Tyreek Hill is the fastest player in the NFL, and he's the most has the most dynamic speed you will ever see in the, in the deck over the past decade. His speed is out of this world. Um, he ran a four nine in his pro day. Efficiently couldn't a- attend the uh, combine, and that's because of off the field issues that he had in college. We're not going to get into that. That's not place time and day to get into but yeah here's the difference between the speed element that Tavon Austin has and the speed element you know Tyree Kill has. Let's start with Tavon Austin. Tavon Austin has really fast, has always had that cutability, elusiveness, and just speed demon tenacity. Unbelievable great greatly announced unbelievable speed Tavon Austin has. But he, he's it was unguardable in college for California Unbelievable. Kick returns. He did everything. Kick returns in the receiving game was an unbelievable deep threat. Could run all the routes on th- all three levels of the field, short, intermediate, and deep. Was overall a great wide receiver. Comes to the NFL and is, is primarily a receiver who gets jet sweeps because he's very well known for being a very, very fast like he was in college for, for Cal. He's a very fast receiver. Now, I don't think he's too much of a receiver. I think he's better in the running game getting jet sweeps. Uh, pitches, screens, and that and that type of general aerial screens is part of the receiving game. But he's better as a, a flex. Like in, in fantasy football, you talk about flex. That's the definition of Tavon Austin. He's a player that can do good in the receiving game. Not 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 that good in the receiving game, but he's very dynamic if you give him jet sweeps, handoffs, uh, etc. Pitches, etc. He's very good in that type of running game. Like a running back, except he's a receiver getting very... With his type of speed, he's getting... Jet sweeps, and he, he's, he's getting the most out of them. Yeah, Tavon Austin is very fast, but the thing I think he... The special ideal in his game I think he lacks is to have very good playmaking ability and hands and, and route running. His route running is decent just because he's fast, but his hands aren't, need, aren't that good and need a lot of improvement. Now, go to Tariq Hill. Fastest player in the NFL. Fastest and most quickest and most agile player in the NFL, and you probably... Seen over the past decade, for sure. You haven't seen that type of agile and quickness and speed probably since Bo Jackson. He ran a 4-1 at his official combine. But of course, Tyreek ran a 4-1 at his pro day. Did not attend the combine, just like I mentioned, for some unclosed reasons. Some off-the-field issues were were some of the were a big reason why he did not attend the combine. But nevertheless, it ended up working 
well and playing in his favor because he is a top five receiver in the NFL. It's four. He's the fourth best receiver in the NFL, in my opinion. Number one is Michael Thomas right now. Two is Julio Jones. Three is Hopkins. Four is Tyreek Hill. Five is probably Devontae Adams, in my opinion. That's my list. But, um, yeah, guys. That's the difference between him, Tavon Austin, Tyreek Hill, and Tavon Austin. Tyreek Hill is really fast. He's the fastest player in the NFL. He has that dimension of speed and dynamic speed. But he also has really good hands and playmaking ability. He lost four Texans last year. Mahomes threw it up. And he, Mahomes, first of all, has a great arm. And you put him together, you match him up, put him as a duo with Tyree Kill. Quarterback to wide receiver duo is outstanding. And they got Kelsey at tight end. Oh, my God. Damian Williams at running back. Damian Williams opted out. But Clyde Edwards a lair. Coming at running back who can do it all in the rushing game as well as the receiving game. For a little guy, he's really dynamic and good. So they have a really explosive offense. But like I mentioned, Tyree Kill isn't just a fast player. He also has really good hands, really good route running, and really good quickness, and really good route running. And he's strong for his size. He's 5'10", so it seems pretty small. And some of my friends, one of my friends, his name is Marquise. He is taller than Tyree Kill. Marquise is like 6'1", and, and Tyree Kill is 5'10". And my friend Keese, well, I call him Keese, but Marquise, he's like... It's like four, he's 15. And Tyreek Hill is way older than that. But yeah, Tyreek Hill is a very, very good wide receiver. And one of the reasons why he's a top five receiver in the NFL, and especially the fourth best receiver in the NFL, in my opinion, is because of not only his very dynamic speed. Yes, that plays a big part in why he's a top five receiver in the NFL and the fourth best receiver in the NFL, in my opinion. But he's also has a master of having really good hands, makes unbelievable catches, puts his heart on, puts his body and heart, plays his soul out. Dude loves the game. You can obviously tell he's been around the game for a long time. Works out probably daily. I've seen his YouTube channel. I follow him on YouTube. I watch basically all of his YouTube videos. Works out great. Very good, very good dude. Very good loving dude. Um, has, a, has a young daughter. He loves her. He's a great dude overall. But he's not just a speed demon and a speed player. He also has really good hands and really good route running to go along with his very good speed. So that's what makes him up to be a makeup of a really good receiver and a top five in the NFL. Top five receiver in the NFL. But back to Tavon Austin. Yeah, Tavon Austin is just a speed kills type of receiver. He doesn't have the flashiest hands. The best part of his game by far is his speed he, by, by far because his hands are just mediocre. Again, mediocrity, his route running is mediocre. He has decent route running, he has decent hands. He has average hands and average route running to go along with him being better than average in type in terms of speed. He's really fast. So, yeah, I think getting Tavon Austin for the 49ers will, will give them a, a good deep threat. Um, someone that Jimmy Garoppolo can give jet sweeps to, pitches to, and just handoffs to the Tavon Austin in the running game. Now, I don't think he will be as much of a threat in the receiving game. Just because I don't think he's a full, he's not your generational can-do-it-all receiver. He's basically just fast, and he has average hands and mediocre route running, and average route running. So he's not a receiver that will do everything for you. He, he's not your go-to receiver in, in that type of offense. Kittle's obviously the number one target at tight end. The offense basically runs and moves through Kittle. Um, of course, Debo Samuel, he's out. Kendrick Bourne's going to have to step up. Um, Dante Pettis has experience going into his third year. Yeah, Tavon Austin is primarily what he, what the 49ers are getting out of Tavon Austin is a guy who will be very dynamic and someone you can give 
in the run in the rushing game is and he's a receiver that you can give jet sweeps a lot because he will get the most out of it, pick up a lot of yards with his speed and elusiveness and cutting and cut ability. And he's a guy that will get you no, he won't do the most. He's a deep throw. He'll burn your, the, the opposing corners, and you can throw deep balls to him. You can throw goes him, posts, whatever. Deep routes is his primarily at home ground. Um, short routes, yeah, he can be dynamic on slants because he's really fast, but deep routes, that's where he's really dynamic at. And jet sweeps and handoffs is primarily what, what else he's going to be. What else the 49ers are getting out of him? So what the 49ers, I think, are getting out of a guy like Tavon Austin is not a very bona fide go-to wide receiver. He's not, he's not a guy that will run great routes for you. He's not a guy that will make very good catches for you and carry your team. He is a guy that will spurt in, pitch in here and there, and, and have like 7, 8, 9-yard, 10, 10-yard gains of jet sweeps, maybe even 20-yard gains of jet sweeps. And he's a guy you can give handoffs to, pitches to. He's a very dynamic guy as a wide receiver, but very more dynamic in the rushing game as to well in the receiving game. But he's a guy who will also pitch in some 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 very good deep ball catches on deep balls because he's has outstanding speed and will burn opposing corners. I don't care who it is. It could be Stephon Gilmore, Jalen Ramsey. Those guys are probably locked table and Austin up, but I'm just saying he will get a step on them and he will probably burn them. It could be Tredavious White of the Bills quarter and he will probably burn him. But these guys can recover well. That's why they're among the top three best corners in the NFL. Like I just mentioned, Stephon Gilmore I think is the best. Two Jalen Ramsey, three is Tredavious White as of right now. But yeah, guys, what the 49ers are getting at Tavon Austin is not a three-down receiver who's going to make a play. He's a guy who you can give jet sweeps to, pitches to, handles to in the rushing game, and he'll spurt, he'll, he'll pitch in there. And he's a guy who you can go here and there on in the, in the on and you give him deep balls here and there. So those are the two primarily things that will be dynamic on the deep balls as well. So those are the two primarily things that I think the 49ers will be seeing most and getting most out of Tavon Austin. Now on to JJ Nelson. J.J. Nelson has spent about five years. He spent five total years in the NFL, four years, so dominantly, predominantly four years with the Cardinals and one with the Raiders. So the majority of his career he has spent with the Arizona Cardinals, some with Bruce Arians, and um, and and one with Cliff, Cliff Kingsbury in 2018. And then last, this most recent NFL season, 2019, he spent... One year with John Gruden and the Los Angeles Lakers, but didn't really play much. Now, his most remarkable and notable year, like I did this with Tavon Austin, his best year was in 2015 with the, the Cardinals, where he had 34 receptions for a career-high 568 receiving yards and six touchdowns. So not a bad year. Over 30 receptions, he had 34. That's a career-high. He had... um. Over 500 receiving yards, not quite near a thousand, but he still had over 500 receiving yards and nearly 600 receiving yards with 568. And he had six touchdowns. He had over five touchdowns. So, productive season for a guy who's not really your number one or number two um, target at wide receiver. He's predominantly your either third or fourth at, at best target on a team. He's a he's like a role player in basketball. He'll come in, rotate in, and and he'll he'll spit in, not spit in. He'll spurt in. He'll give you pitches in of decent. Production. Now, on to twenty in twenty seventeen, another decent year. He had wow, he had twenty nine receptions, see, nearly thirty receptions. He had f- over five hundred receiving yards again. So in twenty fifteen, he had a career high five hundred sixty eight receiving yards and a career high six touchdowns and a career high thirty four receptions. But two years after that, two years later in twenty seventeen, 
He had 29 receptions, so nearly 30 receptions, a little bit like five receptions under of his career high, and he had over 500 receiving yards, eclipsed over 500, 500 receiving yards and half a thousand yards receiving again with having 508 receiving yards. And he had two touchdowns, so obviously four touchdowns dropped. But still a productive season for a guy like J.J. Nelson, who's, again, not your number one or number two threat, but still a decent receiver. He's just, again, he's a speedster. Now, flashback, I mean, flashback to this most recent NFL season, 2019 with the Raiders. In only two games, get this, in only two NFL games played last year with the Las Vegas Raiders, he had a total of four receptions. Four, just four catches for 36 total receptions and one touchdown. I'm surprised he even got one touchdown of it just having four catches and 36 yards receiving over two games. I mean, that's, that's, that, that's a poor stat line, but I can only, I can only just imagine the pain he's felt just, just being injury prone. Again, the 49ers are getting two guys that have, have had a very decent experience playing in the NFL and had a decent amount of playing time. You know, Taylor Austin. <laughs> Five years with the Rams and had two years with the Cowboys. He had way more. He was a starter on the Rams. And with the Cowboys, he was a rotational player. Um, of course, Amari Cooper was starting. Michael Gap was starting. But Tavon Austin was in there with Randall Cobb when he was on the Cowboys. Obviously, Randall Cobb is on the Texans now. But, um, yeah, Tavon Austin was not a bona fide starter for the Cowboys in 2018 and last year. But, yeah, guys. Again, and then Jay, you go to J.J. Nelson. He, he, Tavon Austin has spent two years, you know, primarily he's been injury-prone, Tavon Austin, with the Cowboys. And over the, the course of those two seasons, the past two NFL seasons, 2018 and 2019, with the Dallas Cowboys. Now go to J.J. Nelson. J.J. Nelson uh, and Tavon Austin overall spent seven seasons so far in the NFL. And go to J.J. Nelson. J.J. Nelson. Now look the stat up. J.J. Nelson has spent about a total of... Five seasons so far in the NFL, dating back to his rookie year in 2015. Um, he spent four C4 as five first NFL seasons with the Arizona Cardinals. And then one year, which was recordingly and currently last year, with the Las Vegas Raiders. And you know what he had? He was in now the lineup, only played two games. He was injury prone. So the 49ers not only getting two guys with experience in the NFL and two guys that have played five plus, well, well the two guys that have played at least five years in the NFL, Tavon played seven, and J.J. Nelson played it five exactly. Um, you're getting two guys, two wide receivers that have experience playing in the NFL with five years of experience at least. And and they're getting two guys that have been injury-prone more so recently and, uh, and not so in the last five years. So recently these injury-prone, these injuries have come upon has come and gone and ruptured through Tavon Austin and J.J. Nelson. But now let's see what J.J. Nelson. I'm going to break down what I think the 49ers are getting at a guy like J.J. Nelson. When J.J. Nelson was on the Cardinals, what particularly earlier in his career, J.J. Nelson wasn't the most featured receiver. You know... Because J.J. Nelson was not predominantly the a go-to target and a really notable receiver and didn't get the most playing time as a number one or even number two. As earlier in his career, say 2015, around there, Michael Floyd was the number one receiver for the Arizona Cardinals. And then John Brown was consistent as the number two receiver and John Brown was dynamically the most dynamic receiver on the team. Michael Floyd was a bigger receiver, had more size, 
for the Cardinals and had really good hands. But John Brown, on the other hand, was a guy who had speed for day in, hour in, minute in, second in, day in, day out, hour in, hour out, year in, year out. John Brown, the Bills didn't give him a nickname of Smoke for no apparent reason. They gave him a nickname of Smoke because John Brown is fast as freaking hell. I'm not, I was about to cuss, guys, because I'm getting into this. John Brown is fast. And J.J. Nelson, if y'all thought J.J. Nelson was fast, John Brown is faster. John Brown had over 1,000 yards receiving last year for the Buffalo Bills. And a lot of it that had to do with it was because of his speed, his dynamic speed. But yeah, with J.J. Nelson not being featured as much as back around 2015 or 2016 or 2017, primarily 2015 and 2016 or so, because with Michael Floyd getting more playing time and, of course, John Brown getting more playing time. For J.J. Nelson in 2016 to have, with the Cardinals, to have his career-high 34 receptions for over 500 receiving, 568 receiving yards and six touchdowns, predominantly being the third go-to target or even fourth, is pretty remarkable in saying that that's actually really good production to pitch in as a, you know, a third, not even a secondary receiver. He's not, wasn't even the number two target. That was John Brown. His number one was Michael Floyd. He's a third, he was a third target to go to, or maybe even fourth. Well, that's really good. Um, so, yeah, the gist of what I'm trying to say is the 49ers are getting a guy that has experience in the NFL. He has speed. He has decent hands. He has decent route running. And they're getting a guy that can be a really good deep threat. So, yeah, that's enough for J.J. Nelson. The 49ers are getting a guy that is injury prone, but does consist of really good speed, and he can be a deep threat. So, he's a guy that will, have, be, will benefit off of the 49ers from being a very good deep threat. And they will look for him deep. But yeah, guys, that's pretty much what I think about the 49ers signing Taylor Austin and J.J. Nelson. And now, let's get on to the main course. What I... 15 rookies who I think are going to have... 15 rookies in the NFL this year who I think are going to have really good slash breakout rookie years this season. Out of order. Keyword, out of order. So the first player... I think it's going to have a breakout season, is the dominant, dominant, dominant defensive end slash edge rusher that came out of Ohio State, and Chase Young is the name. Chase Young is going to be an absolute beast this year. For, forget me, not forget me saying that, the, the Redskins defense overall, especially the linebacker corpse, is going to be insane this year. You the upfront defensive line for the Redskins is so much improved with Chase Young. You got linebacker, you got really good pass rushers and linebackers. Of course, Ryan Kerrigan, Montez Sweat, they already had a good duo of pass rushers there. And line and yeah. And then you had Chase Young, who's a great, great defensive end. Great, great defensive end, and Chase Young is so dynamic. He's not as dynamic as Isaiah Simmons, who's the most athletic player, I think, in this draft class, because he can play linebacker, inside, outside, linebacker, whatever you need, interior linebacker. Um, he also plays safety. He played safety in high school, late high school career, and he can also play basically any position on your defense, basically. He's that kind of hybrid player. He plays Linebacker, interior linebacker, middle linebacker, outside linebacker, left outside linebacker, right outside linebacker, whatever you want him to play, slash safety that he played in high school, slash your bona fide hybrid players, Isaiah Simmons. So if there was an award for 
most efficient player playing out of position. So, hybrid player of the year, that would go to Isaiah Simmons probably this year. I would definitely give him that. But, Isaiah Simmons is on this list. But, for that reason, being because he's a very good hybrid. Yeah, like I was saying, the Redskins' overall defense, slash their secondary part of their defense, the second level of the defense, basically, linebacker is a great linebacker, and Ryan Kerrigan is also a very good dynamic pass rusher. And, of course, they have very good pass rushers, very good defensive end, and Montez Sweat, who's a little bit underrated, in my opinion. Then you bring a guy like Chase Young, who's a very good edge rusher and a very good defensive end, to go along with another very good defensive end, Montez Sweat. And then, of course, Kerrigan is a pass rusher. Those three are going to be the three musketeers of a very, very revamped defense slash defensive line and pass rushing defense, in my opinion. They're going to be a good... Uh, they're going to be a good pressuring defense and a good pass rushing defense. So you better watch out for the Redskins. But yeah, Chase Young is an overall very good dynamic player. He's a very good edge rusher. He was at Ohio State. He's a very good defensive end. And he's a very good player. So that's why I have him on this list. Next player. The second player I'm going to be talking about. Who I think is going to be have a breakout year. A slash really, good, really good year slash breakout year is Joe Burrow. Now you guys might be thinking, what Joe Burrow? Like, yes, we get it. Joe Burrow is a good quarterback, but you really think he's going to be very good on the Bengals? Yes, I think he's going to be very good on the Bengals, especially for the fact that you guys don't realize A.J. Green's coming back. A.J. Green is is a really good receiver, has been a top receiver in this league over the past decade. A.J. Green, you guys don't remember that A.J. Green was a top five receiver when healthy about five years ago. A.J. Green is a great receiver. He has really good hands. Um, decent speed could could work a little bit on the speed, but the hands are just out of this world, and 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 the route running is just that it makes his game that much better and that much it's intriguing and interesting. And then you bring him back a guy, you got Tyler Boyd there also had over five hundred receiving yards last year, half a thousand receiving yards last year. Um, yeah, he's another guy who has really good hands. He's a mediocre route runner. He's a he's mediocre speed, not anything too special, I would say. But what's special is Tyler Boyd's ability to stay healthy. He, he's not too durable, but he's not he's not not durable at all. But he has decent hands. He's a mediocre mediocrity of a player. He's a decent player, but he's definitely given a lot of production for the Bengals offense last year, even though they were two and fourteen. But yeah, and Joe and Joe Burrow. Bringing back a guy that he played in the national championship last year, T. Higgins on the Clemson. Joe Burrow has T. Higgins as a target now. Uh, his, his rival of a team, Clemson, that he played last year in the national championship, T. Higgins is one of the most underrated wide receivers in this draft class, and I'm I'm one for all for one telling you guys that T. Higgins is very 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 good. I don't think you guys really understand how good T. Higgins is. T. Higgins statistically was a better Clemson receiver than Sammy Watkins and DeAndre Hopkins. T. Higgins statistically was the best Clemson wide receiver to step foot in that main campus ever. Ever. Statistically. But we're talking about in, in terms of real life things. Hopkins is the best, obviously. Watkins 2, T. Higgins 3. But statistically... 
over the amount of time T. Higgins has spent in the Clemson football college football organization. He's the best statistically. Speaking of statistics, we're not speaking of production on the field. We're speaking of what the stats say. If the stats told everything, the stats were the meaning of everything, then T. Higgins would be the best wide receiver ever to go to Clemson, statistically. But, yes, T. Higgins is going to be a very dynamic part of that offense with Asia Green and Tyler Boyd. And then you got Alec Erickson, who's an a, a okay punt returner. He's an okay slot receiver. But he'll get you third and short completions, I would hope. And then Joe Mixon, planning on did not hold out. Actually, Joe Mixon is... You know the funny thing I said about Joe Mixon? Joe Mixon, they gave him a 72 strength when he's one of the better power backs in the NFL. <laughs> Mix that with his speed. Like, Joe Mixon, once he gets to the edge, with how big he is, is a bowling ball, basically. But, yeah, he's so explosive. But, they, yeah, that produces a good running game. And Joe Burrow himself is your natural, natural, doesn't get fatigued all that much. He's your natural, natural passer in the pocket. Great pocket passer, great arm, great mechanics, great accuracy. Anything you want to talk about Joe Burrow negative, you better not click on this podcast because Joe Burrow has nothing negative only except for the fact that the team that he's playing with. And that the amount of winning he's going to have this year is the only negative look that I think Joe Burrow will get upon him this year. But everything else, his stats will look great this year. His arm is going to look great this year. He has receivers upon receivers coming back. He has Adrian Green coming back. Tyler Boyd to go along with that. T. Higgins, um, rookie out of Clemson. Statistically, the best wide receiver ever to step in Clemson. So he has targets. He has Alec Erickson in the slot who's not fancy. He's just an okay your typical slot receiver who makes a catch here and there. He's not Edelman. He's not Wes Welker. He's not that type of dynamic slot receiver. He's your typical slot receiver. Third, third or so best wide fourth now best wide receiver on the team. But um, third or so best wide receiver on the team is usually your slot receiver. But yeah, still a dynamic part of that offense is also Joe Mixon in the running game. But yeah, hey, you got all these pieces, all this talent surrounded around a guy like Joe Burrow who makes. A lot of pieces of his team around look like town. At LSU, he made Justin Jefferson look like Julio Jones. And he made Jamar Chase look like Calvin Ridley. Joe Burrow makes everyone around him look amazingly good. And you can say the same about A.J. Green. A.J. Green made Andy Dalton look like at least a guy like... um. A decent quarterback, a guy like Alex Smith. He made Andy Dalton look like a guy like Alex Smith. But Alex Smith is better. See, Joe Burrow makes people around him look good. But if you have all this talent surrounding Joe Burrow with what his mechanics and abilities say about his game, Joe Burrow is going to prove himself to be great this season. That's why I think he's going to be great. Great quarterback. Next player on this list, CeeDee Lamb. He is going to ball freaking out. Now, if you guys don't follow uh, CBS Sports or whatever it was, I got an alert today that said CeeDee Lamb made a horrifically talented catch. Horrifically. I know I said horrifically, meaning not bad, but scary as in, whoa. Like, whoa. What a catch. Now, I'm talking about... A one-handed skyline top of a building catch. I'm talking about a guy that has hops. I'm talking about a guy that went lifted off both of his feet 
five or feet in the air or so and mossed someone with one hand. Great catch. I mean, this guy is going to be so good. I just don't think people see what Dallas's wide receiver corpse has eh, eh, has for the league this year. I mean, whew, two over a thousand yard receivers last year. Amari Cooper, Michael Gout. And then CeeDee Lamb, who is scary. CeeDee Lamb is his adversity he puts on people. The the amount of stress just guarding this guy, I feel for defensive backs in the in college football last year and gonna be in the NFL this year. Maybe even the Cowboys will have three a thousand yard receivers this year. I doubt it, but it could happen. Definitely two. Two if not three. One would be the least. Amari Cooper's gonna do it. Now Michael Gallup, I don't think he's going to fall off. I think he's going to be short about 200. I think he's going to be around 800. CeeDee Lamb's going to definitely have a 700, 800 receiving yard year. Um, a thousand yards receiving. He's a guy that can pull it off. He can definitely pull it off. I don't think he will. He's definitely a guy who has the talents, great hands to pull it off, great route running to pull it off. Um, I don't think he will. I think he will be a little bit short, but I think he's definitely capable of it. But yeah, the guy's an all-around talent at wide receiver, and Dallas is getting a great one. That's why I think he's going to break out a year. DeAndre Swift. Now, DeAndre Swift, the fourth player I'm talking about this list, out of 15 players, I think, 15 rookie players I think are going to break out a year. DeAndre Swift. Many of you not know, DeAndre Swift is going to split carries with Carrion Johnson this year. And, 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 and for the heck of it, let me just point this out. Carry on Johnson is injury prone. You guys don't remember Carry on Johnson was out horrifically a lot of the season last year for 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 the Detroit Lions, and a guy named Bo Scarborough had to come in and carry the load, and he only had three hundred or fifty so rushing yards in the season. So the rushing game was not there. Now they have a looking on paper they're gonna have an efficient rushing game if all the cards play how they're supposed to play. If everything falls how they're supposed to fall, right. You're looking at a running game that consists of Carryon Johnson, who's not bad, and if healthy, he's he's good, and a guy like DeAndre Swift, who is a multi-dimensional, really good, philosophical, philosophically good back. He he is really good talent in the rushing game as well as in the receiving game. He's a do he was a do it all running back for um Georgia. He was a do do it all running back. Do it all running back. Um, now, what I think he, the, the Lions are getting out of out of DeAndre Swift is a guy who will split carries with Carryon Johnson. He he primarily will be, you know, a guy who won't necessarily see all three downs. Like I mentioned, split time with Carryon Johnson. Um, but he's definitely a guy that will progress and make your team better as, as the rushing game goes for your team. He's going to be good. It's just how is he going to display his talents this year with splitting carries with another running back in on Johnson. I think that now it might not seem like you guys would agree with me on this. It's not real life terms. I'm saying I don't hope on Johnson gets injured for DeAndre Swift's future, for DeAndre Swift's heck of it. Uh, on Johnson getting hurt wouldn't be bad for DeAndre Swift because DeAndre Swift would see more time. De- DeAndre Swift would get more experience as a running back in the Detroit system with Matt Patricia. DeAndre Swift would get more time starting and really 
it would all soak in. And once it soaks in for DeAndre Swift, he will show a multi-dimensional type of game in terms of rushing game and receiving game. He's a do-it-all running back. Unbelievably good speed. Um, yeah, he has mediocre hands. He he's a power back. He he's feisty. I like it. He he's a good back, power back, strong back, great back. That's why I have him on this list. Next player we talk about J.K. Dobbins, another running back from this class. This time it's the Ohio State alumni. J.K. Dobbins will be splitting carries with one of the statistically one of the best backs in the NFL last year, Mark Ingram. Well, over a thousand yards receiving on the best team, not only in the AFC and the number one seed in the AFC, but the best team in the NFL last year. Um, statistically, not just statistically, the second best team in the NFL last year, the Baltimore Ravens. The best was the Chiefs. Um, if we're talking about offensive explosions, it's the Chiefs. Um, statistically, I think it was the Ravens. Um, best team in the regular season, Ravens. Best team in the playoffs, Chiefs by far. But. Yeah, J.K. Dobbins is a, is a, was a guy that was outstanding at Ohio State. I mean, he was a little guy that was about 5'10-ish, but he was a guy who was big, buff, really fast, and he's a guy who says, hey, you going to tackle me? No, I'm going to stiff Great stiff arm and, and also great receiving back there because he's fast. Um, what I think the Ravens are getting at of J.K. Dobbins is a guy who pertains to be... Um, uh, conditionary back, he conditions well. He doesn't get injured. He's durable. Um, he 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 gives you a sense of a running back who is just a winner. He's a winner. He's a winner. J.K. Dobbins is a guy who never has gave up in effort. J.K. Dobbins probably has never given up on anything that has to do with playing football. J.K. Dobbins is a guy who is outstandingly smart. He understands the game so well. He he gives you this understanding of the game that most rookies that I don't think have. J.K. Dobbins clicks. He clicked with Urban Meyer and Ohio State. Clicked. It just clicked. It all came together. It clicked. Now, DeAndre Swift does have that understanding. Um, Jonathan Taylor has that understanding with, with Wisconsin he had. Um, and he's going to have it with Frank Reich. The Indianapolis Colts with Philip Rivers, but yeah, but the understanding that J.K. Dobbins has mixed with the talent level at a high level he plays, great running back, and he he's gonna split carries with Mark Ingram. Mark Ingram had over a thousand yards rushing last year. Um, I think J.K. could do it. I think J.K. could have over a thousand yards rushing. Um, I think he's I think he's gonna fall somewhere between 700, 800, and 900. In that area, not quite a thousand. I think you got Mark Ingram who goes well over five hundred. He goes near the eight hundred mark. And then you got Gus Edwards who they signed to a one-year deal just just to see how if this all plays out. And then you got Lamar Jackson who's probably going to lead the the, the 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 team in rushing yards like he did last year, thousand two hundred six rushing yards. We broke Michael Vick's record in Thursday Night Football against the Jets, the New York Jets, in Week fourteen in Baltimore, and he did it with Michael Vick watching. He did it with a one thousand one hundred three. He had 103 more rushing yards in the next two finale football games of the regular season. Like, so freaking good. And what I really think is Lamar Jackson brings such an element to the freaking Baltimore Ravens that John Harbaugh cannot take it. John Harbaugh would, couldn't let this kid go even if he had Tom Brady coming to his roster 
Julio Jones coming to his roster. Derrick Henry coming to the cabin rhythm. He's a generational talent that you don't always see. Once in a maybe even millennial. Once in a millennial talent. Lamar Jackson. But, um, yes. J.K. Dobbins, I think, is going to bring a forceful, fierce rushing game to an already really good running game with Mark Ingram. And, of course, Lamar Jackson gives you a good running game. And, of course, Gus Edwards. But, yes. J.K. Dobbins is very good, and that's why I have him on this list. Next up, Jeff Okuda. Another Ohio State alumni, and going to definitely be on a billboard or something there in Cleveland, near Ohio. Going to be, be on something, and he's going to have his, his thing, his jersey on a canvas probably in Ohio State. That's how good he was. Great lockdown corner, special, specializes in man-to-man -man coverage, zone coverage. He's a great open field tackler. Great tackler, um, great player. He he's a gen. He's not a generational talent. You know who I'm I'm, I'm comparing him to? Um, probably probably a guy like Stephon Gilmore. I'll compare him to a guy like Stephon Gilmore. Yeah, that's not too in depth. He can do a Stephon Gilmore. He's not as good as Stephon Gilmore. Gilmore has way more experience in the NFL against better talent. But but yeah. Lock, both consist of being lockdown corners. Great hand placement, great technique, great great deciding of not giving up on plays. And if the receiver catches the ball, you don't get mad about it. You go ahead and make a play, either force a fumble, make great tackles, or knock the ball out, or deflect the ball, whatever. Whatever it may be, guys like Jeff Okuda, Stephon Gilmore, Jalen Rant, those type of guys are so, so good. And are unbelievably responsible for why teams' defenses are as elite as they are. I just don't think Stephon Gilmore gets a lot of credit. Jan Ramsey gets a lot of credit, but Tredavious White might get a lot of credit. Marshawn Lattimore doesn't get as much credit. Jair Alexander doesn't get as much credit. Um, I would even put in guys like Patrick Peterson. Still, he gets a decent amount of credit. Pac-Man Jones was like that. Darrell Revis was like that. Richard Sherman is kind of still like that. The 49ers was definitely like that. The Seahawks. Um, but yeah. Yeah, Jeff Okuda is a great corner. And they the Lions gave up Darius Slade. He's going to fill that void. He's going to be great for them. Next, CJ Henderson. Another corner. This time, it's a Florida Gators alumni. CJ Henderson. For the Jacksonville Jaguars. Now, with the Jaguars are getting at a guy like C.J. Henderson again. C.J. Henderson is a little bit smaller, but he kind of reminds me of a Jalen Ramsey. Now, hands might be thrown, fists might be colliding, anything you want. You could be mad at me for saying this. C.J. Henderson consists of also being a very good man-to-man -man corner. Jalen Ramsey is a very good man-to-man -man corner. The height is not similarities. Ramsey's obviously taller. C.J. Henderson is a very good man-to-man -man corner. He's basically a can-do-it-all corner. Um, great player. Great player. Great hand-to-hand -hand contact. Great technique. I love it. C.J. Henderson is going to be great for the for the, for the the Jaguars, especially now the Jaguars don't even have Ramsey or A.J. Boye. A.J. Boye is now in the Denver Broncos. So someone's going to have to step up, and it may be C.J. Henderson, the rookie. 
So he's great. I think he's going to break out here. Next on this list at number eight, again, out of order, Isaiah Simmons, who I think is the most athletic player slash the best hybrid player on this list and the best player that can play at any position on the defense. Best defensive player that can play any position in the secondary slash second level of your defense in the linebacker room, in the linebacker area. Isaiah Simmons is listed as a linebacker. He can play interior, outside linebacker, Sam Nickel, whatever. Any kind of linebacker you want him to play. But what at, no one realizes he's so effective and efficient and he 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 is the leader of a defense. Isaiah Simmons is the guy. He's that type of hard-nosed football player. Boom, 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 boom. Isaiah Simmons is a great player who was great at Clemson and was a major, major factor why they even saw the top four playoffs last year and even saw the national championship against LSU and even had a lead. Isaiah Simmons is a major reason why Clemson and Dabo Sweeney have had huge um, success in winning games. Obviously, Dabo Sweeney, the coach, great coach, was great. Was a wide receiver coach dating back to 2008. Definitely got his chance to Dabo Sweeney and took the most of it. And the journey has been great for Dabo Sweeney. Great college football coach. We'll go down as one of the best college football coaches of all time. But yeah, Isaiah Simmons is great. He's a hybrid. He can also play safety. You can play linebacker, Sam Nickel, interior, outside, middle linebacker, whatever you want. Right outside, linebacker, left outside linebacker. You can play all of that. And you can also play safety. So it's a great hybrid. It's going to be great for the Cardinals. Next, at number nine, remember, this is out of order, but I have Justin Jefferson. Now, Diggs is gone. The story, the headline, just like LeBron James, not as big, but just like, the headlines, you know, shockingly, everyone was shocked. Every it was like, it was like, boom! Everyone was shocked. Everyone was bewildered that LeBron left the Miami Heat to go back to the his hometown and where he started his NBA career with the Cleveland Cavaliers. Now, everyone was shocked. Now that's not as big, but Boom! Stephon Diggs, gone. Heads of Buffalo, out of nowhere. LeBron, boom, gone. Out of Miami, when they won three champions, two to three champions, gone. Just Stephon Diggs, gone out of Minnesota, only the Bills, when he had so much success with Kirk Cousins in that offense. And even won a playoff game last year. They were on a hot streak. They won a playoff game. Of course, they couldn't beat the powerhouse that Kyle Shanahan provides the 49ers. But they still made it to the divisional round and won a playoff game. And that Kyle Rudolph game-winning catch in overtime on P.J. Marcus Williams. I mean, that's something, man. You see, Diggs, after so much success last year, is just flat and out gone. But one guy, all eyes are on Adam Thielen now as the number one target. Adam Thielen has always been an underdog his whole career. I love underdog stories. I love how people prove them wrong. And that's exactly what I'm trying to do. I'm a great slot receiver. And I'm trying to prove people wrong. But I'm great. See, I have I play football and I'm really good. Really good slot receiver. But it's just the attention that is grabbed by Justin Jefferson and his thing not, not everyone gets. Adam Thielen was not looked like that. 
Adam Thielen came to a subdivision two scholarship, and that's it. He worked his way up from working a part-time job to being a star NFL wide receiver from a division two scholarship. Justin Jefferson was given a scholarship off a plate because that is how good he is. Justin Jefferson. Okay, Joe Burrow might have been the reason why Justin Jefferson was so good last year for LSU at manning the slot. But you got Adam Thielen as the number one target, and Justin Jefferson, you can't just have be a, a feisty and really good team without having one, you know, really, really good, without having two really good receivers. And Justin Jefferson is going to be that. He can play in the slot like he did last year at LSU, but he's going to be a deep that. But he's really good, and that's why I have him on this list. At number 10, but again, this is out of order, guys. I have Cole Clement for the Chicago Bears. Now, the reason I have Cole Clement on this list for the Bears is because... Mainly because of the fact that over the past year... Cole, I mean, the Bears offense, Matt Nagy last year struggled heavily. Trubisky struggled. They all struggled. You know, it was such shocking to see that a year prior, in 2018, a playoff team came down to a team that goes 8-8 eight and eight at mediocrity. But the one thing I have to say is I will give part of the blame to Trubisky. I will praise Allen Robinson for going over a 1,000-yard receiving baller, top, 10, top 15 receiver in the NFL, easily. Easily, but the one key that I think missed was the lack of other playmaking by different receivers. That's one. If Anthony Miller was good in the slot, he's going to be good again. He had over 500 receiving yards. Yeah, that's a good receiver. That that that's a bona fide great slot receiver. Anthony Miller, he's underrated. Allen Robinson, your number one receiver. Cordell Patterson, of course, the kick returner. He's not there anymore. But. The one thing I think they lacked because they gave up Jordan Howard to the Eagles. Of course, that didn't work out. He got injured, played only 10 games, and had over just 525 receiving uh, rushing yards to Jordan Howard. Now he's on the Dolphins with, with Matt Breida as well. The one thing I think they lacked, you know what that is? A great running game. You see, put a guy like... Even rookies from last year, Miles Sanders or Josh Jacobs, on the Bears, they go 9-7 easily. Wild card. The lack of consistent running game. David Montgomery is not the way for Chicago last year. He's not the way to go. He is the way to go. I'm, I'm predicting this year David Montgomery is going to go off. And here's why. They are a heavy passing team. They're a heavy Air raid offense like Cliff Kingsbury, Mike Leach for Washington State in college football and a so-called air raid offense. But the main problem I have with having an air raid offense is a lack of a consistent running game. You need a consistent receiving game for your receivers and passing game as well as a consistent running game to open up passing lanes to beneficial to benefit that unsustainable and really good great, um, uh, I mean sustainable and great passing game. A good team for me consists of an established and efficient good running game, which then opens up oceans and oceans of a consistent, sustainable passing game and great offense.
So yeah, guys. Cole Clement is at number 10. And I think he's going to make a big impact for them as the tight end in the receiving game is going to help whether Trubisky or Foles starts. It's going to help Manaki in the Bears' offense in general. Next on this list, I have Jerry Judy. Now, I was struggling. I, yeah, I do have him on this list. But, um, yeah, I have concerns. But I don't have too much concerns. Let's start with the positives. Jerry Judy, coming out of Alabama, widely known as a great, great, great wide receiver. Can do it all, wide receiver. Great hands, speed, strong, buff, whatever you want to say. Great player. Only problem I have is he, 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 KJ Hamler comes in the slot, you know, Judy's going to be the second wide receiver. Cortland Sonnet is going to be the number one and go-to wide receiver. He had over a thousand yards receiving last year with Drew Locke and that offense. But the one concern I have is, is Jerry Judy going to be able to, you know, sustain a number two wide receiver spot. He was always a number one receiver, but I think he's going to handle it. He's going to handle it and he's going to be a great wide receiver. The Broncos. That's why I have him on this list because he's so dynamic he can do it all receiver. Next on this list, I have Jonathan Taylor. Now, Jonathan Taylor is going to split carries with Marlon Mack. That's going to be a great two-punch, two two-back running back duo. Um, Jonathan Taylor was great at Wisconsin. He was, he was sustainable. He had a great running game for, for Wisconsin. I do not know their coach, but I watched a little bit of their games last year because of Jonathan Taylor. He was great. Um, he, he brings a very sustainable, speedy running back who has good vision, good cutability, great persistence and agility, great running back. Next on this list, I have Michael Pittman Jr., an underrated wide receiver for the Indianapolis Colts. You guys will probably say, whoa, 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 no Henry Ruggs shit. Well, first of all, you guys don't understand the impact Michael Pittman is going to make for the Colts. See, I'm a, I can see into the future, basically. That's how much knowledge I have. I can see into the future what's already going to happen. I can already see Michael Pittman being a beast for the Colts in an offense where they didn't, they don't have, they didn't have before Michael Pittman. They didn't have a sustainable big target receiver. The last big target receiver they've had is, is probably, um, shit, I don't even know. The best... Well, Reggie Wayne wasn't that big. Marvin Harrison wasn't that big. Because I guess you couldn't say them. They're Hall of Famers, but... Maybe a guy like... I don't know. I don't even know. Dwayne... uh, Marvin Harrison was great. And, of course, Reggie Wayne was great. Those two are Hall of Famers, but those two weren't as big as Michael Pittman. It's tall. He brings an element that Philip Rivers has had. See, Philip Rivers has Mike had Mike Williams. He's a tall guy. He's an efficient guy. Um, but people don't understand Michael Pittman Jr. is going to take this team to the next level. T.Y. Hill in the slot. So he's going to make that type of impact. I have him there. Next, I have Patrick Queen, linebacker for the Baltimore Ravens. Now... Ever since the Ravens gave up Zadarius Smith, it's just been a struggle. Not a struggle, I wouldn't say that, but their linebackers are not as good as... They weren't as good as Patrick Queen. Zadarius Smith is better than Patrick Queen. Patrick Queen is going to be very good for this team. He's going to cover the flat. He's going to make good tackles. He's going to replay as well. He's going to cover up plays well. Um, he's going to make a big impact on the Ravens. Next, I have Javon Kinlaw, defensive tackle for the 49ers. 
Now, you've heard me say before, I've gone on and on and on and on and on and on, day in, day out, day in, day out, on how good this freaking 49ers, especially their defensive line, but their defense is, how good they are overall. The defensive line, Nick Bosa on the pass rush. That's already that's already too much to handle. DeForest Buckner is gone. Okay, Drake Greenlaw as a pass rusher. D Ford as a linebacker. Fred Warner as a linebacker. See, these guys are all great linebackers and great pass rushers. Um, yeah, and you get Javon Kill on the other side of, of, of Nick Bosa as a great defensive end. And that's just that's that's just too much. That's just too much. Like great pass rush. That's he's a great pass rusher. And other players I was putting on this list, I'm just gonna go. There's an extra segment. Other players, to attack of is gonna have a break a year. Chase, Chase Claypool, Derek Brown, Jan Rieger, Henry Ruggs, Kenneth Murray, and yeah, those players are gonna also gonna have a break a year. So yeah, guys, I pretty much wrapped things up, and I'll kind of catch you guys later.